and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I'm Rick, joined as always by Alex. Hello. And Paula. Hello. I tried to think of an arcade pun, it wasn't happening, but we are <laughs> going to be talking a lot about arcade shit this week, um, both in terms of the games we've been beating, um, retiring and playing, but also in terms of this week's topic. Um, you'll see as we get to it, um, arcade gaming, 21st century. Uh, whether it's the stuff we're doing at the moment, whether it's the Turtles um, Shredder's Revenge playthrough that we did recently, it's all going on at the moment and we want to talk about it. Um, and we will then talk about whatever the subject of this week's version of How, how Long, long to, to Beat, beat the, game. the Game game is. Um, whose turn is it to host that? It's my turn. I think it's your turn. So I won't be doing as much of the talking about that. Um, I do want to just kick off in terms of the, the beaten games. Alex, can we talk about how fucking great Alien vs. Predator on the arcade is? Yeah, it's awesome. It's like great. It's so good. Yeah, it's just now, very good. <laughs> th- this is a weird confluence of events. So Alex just bought an arcade stick. I'm going to yeah. take a window out of yourselves there. Alex bought an arcade stick. Um, I visited an arcade. We have this thing in the UK you like pay to get in, and it's unlimited place for all the time you're there. Nice. And one of the arcade games I played while I was there uh, was Alien vs. Predator. Just on a whim, not because I knew anything about the game. It's fucking great. And then I get home and I put it in the agenda. And what do I see on Alex's playing? Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> uh, and, and now we've both beat it. So, um, yeah, tell, tell us about anything more you have to say on that, Alex. It, it's a good beat-em-up. It's hard to sort of go into too much more depth, I think. Yeah, I know. This is the thing with beat-em-ups, right? Like, it's like seven stages, four characters, two predators, two humans who are ridiculous looking, but fun. <laughs> um, like, mm. in the style of this, it's like there's a lot of picking up weapons. You basically have, like, your, like, punch, you know, or weapon attack. Then you have, like, a, a projectile of some kind, whether it's a gun or, like, you know, the predator's, like, over-the-shoulder thing. And then a jump yeah. button. And that's like basically the combo. Like I'll admit, this is another one where I was like, "Oh yeah, with with few people, this is probably amazing." By the time I got to the seventh stage, I was a little like, "I get it." <laughs> you know what I mean, I was like, "I get it, I get it." Like this is fun, but I get it. <laughs> um, it's beautiful, though. I have to say, like I love mm. the uh, the the look of the entire game. The sounds great. Uh, it's fun to play. It's really fun to play with an arcade stick. Um, I can tell this is like of the arcade games. I'd say this is like clearly a very high quality i think dune recommended this one to me actually um uh, yeah and, and i'm glad he did because it's very fun <laughs> yeah and I, on the crt so they, they had like a, an original cabinet um where i played it on the crt it's gorgeous um yeah. i liked a lot i felt like there was a lot more mechanical depth than say shredder's revenge uh, there yes. are a lot of sort of button inputs and combinations that the game doesn't necessarily tell you about because obviously it's an arcade cabinet um, but when you discover them are really powerful. So for example, um, I got a lot of mileage out of the projectile plus, um, melee button thing, which is yeah, like a, a, weird an area of effect sweep, which is also more powerful if you can hold onto your weapon. And that's another thing that the game does that's cool. You like are constantly scrambling to pick your weapon back up kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's excellent. I liked it a lot more than Shredder's Revenge. I think it's my favorite mm. beat em up that I've ever played. Oh, um, nice. I think in terms of, the level variety in terms of um, the enemy variety in terms of the length i think everything was just right they've and got these have little cutscenes to... too like i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> and like it's obviously wayland yutani bad like it's not a story that's gonna set the world alight but it was nice um and i think we'll probably come to this in the topic but i think coming to arcade games 
without the quarter munching aspect mm. um, in both of our setups. You you have a different experience. Um, the deaths almost don't matter. They do break up the flow of the game a little bit, but by the same token, it's a really good length. Seven stages, I clocked it just under an hour. Quirk of how we were setting up, I played the first six stages and then got pulled away and then went back um, with my girlfriend and we played the whole seven stage thing through. So I played it twice and still had a really excellent experience. But I think that hour, perfect. Like yeah. the ideal length for that kind of experience. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to tell us about the other games you've been playing out? Do you want to sure, take yeah. over from me there? Um, I'll hit up a couple more of the arcade ones here. So yeah, like I said, I got I got 8-bit Doze arcade stick. I love the look of this thing. Plus it has like Bluetooth 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi and um, like a detachable USB-C, which that to me was actually a big deal. I was like, I don't really want to buy an arcade stick that has a attached wire because I just I just know that's going to fucking shit the bed at some point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi is amazing. Like I can't, if there's lag, it's completely imperceptible. Um, this one works with PC and the switch, so it doesn't work with like Xbox and stuff. Um, but to be honest, I don't really envision myself playing this on like my big TV. Like I enjoy having it right in front of my laptop and like playing it, playing arcade games through there. Um, so I played a couple games on, um, Dune's recommendation. I played Dangun Fever Run, which is like Fever SOS. And it's a, it's a shmup. And oh my God, the music in this game is amazing. Like I won't lie. I was, uh, you know fairly high and i'm like playing this game <laughs> and i'm just going yeah bopping along to the music like just fucking jamming i'm dying a shit ton i'm like i don't even care like just having a good time like i would honestly just listen to that soundtrack on its own it's so good um fantastic shmup and it's got like a bunch of different ship options that you can use and like different like um gun patterns and it's just really really fun and again like you said without the necessity to pop coins in the fact that i could just load it up to like you know 99 coins and just keep clicking start whenever i die it's like who gives a shit i get like a super you know and like uh extra weapon thing whenever i die and you're just like yeah let's keep going um which makes it a lot of fun like i know that for some the point of arcades was to get like really good but the reality is like there's way too many arcade games and i don't have the fucking time and nor do i even want to get super goddamn good at any of these games you know what i'm saying (laughs) like just want to go have a good time and get through it and so that's what i did for that one it was really fun i also played metal slug which i think i've played metal slug before i just don't remember as ages ago so fucking good really really fun to an arcade like um playing with the arcade stick was awesome for this one as well like it just felt really um i don't know it's like i was talking again with dune about this but like i feel like i understand shmups and like beat-em-ups and even these like running gun games even better playing with an arcade stick because I'm like, oh, I get it. Like they were designed for this input method. This input method feels really good because in all of those games, the point is that you're basically, you're not like, you're basically mashing a bunch of buttons, right? But you're, yeah, you're doing it in like a controlled way. But let's be honest, especially in a shmup, you're just, you're smacking that shoot button, right? And like with the mm. arcade stick, it feels really fucking good. And it's literally, those buttons are designed to just be like, boo, 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 constantly. And it like, the feedback is so good. And like, you can just like roll your fingers on these damn buttons and they're, they're going. And it's like, it just feels amazing. And like the arcade stick as well, like it just feels natural moving uh, ships around with that as well. And, you know, running guns. So I'm excited to play Contra on this one as well. Cause I played Operation C forever growing up. And uh, 
I loved that game on the Game Boy. It was so hard and I had such a good time. <laughs> and I'm excited to go uh, try that one out as well and go through the whole Metal, Metal Slug uh, collection because it just feels real fun. <laughs> mm. Related question. Have you found, because obviously you've got like the three or four button arcade stick thing. Have you found with your middle and ring fingers on your right hand fatigue? So I know for my part, they're not buttons I use all that much. Um, certainly not in the way that I did. And on the day that I was in the arcade, I was like, ooh, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i didn't really because i've got yeah it's an eight button um arcade stick um so two rows of four yeah two rows of four yeah and no i did well also i think that's in part because of how easy the buttons are to press on this like they're genuinely mm. so smooth um and i know like there's talk to fighting game folks they've got their preferences for joysticks and for buttons and all that but i am a little babe in the woods when it comes to arcade sticks so what apito has on there feels incredible um and like i haven't noticed any fatigue at all it's just super fun i I don't know if i've really quite mastered like the grip i should take when playing these games um i think when i was first playing metal slug i uh i definitely like missed the button i wanted a couple times because i was like going from the from the top and the bottom and i would like sort of forget where they were you know like when you're first playing a controller and you're like oh shit wait where are the buttons again oh yeah here they are and like i had to like map it to my brain by the time i got through metal slug that was the first arcade game i played i like felt like i had a much better like mental and like you know like uh i don't know mind body connection i guess <laughs> you know, i was like all right i know i know what to press so then for the rest it was easy but yeah no i haven't noticed might be different in actual ar- arcade though i'm sure those buttons have gotten a lot more usage than my arcade as did. soon as you said they feel really good to press i was like you have probably got brand new switches on those things and that may be part of it. I think it is. That's the beauty of owning Maybe. one yourself, right? Like I've basically created like my, this laptop, which I love so much. I downloaded LaunchBox, which uh, it's just one of those, like it's it's trying to, you know, market itself as like the one-stop shop for all of your games kind of thing. But, Retroarch uh, type thing, yeah. Yeah, but this one I think actually was more designed first for like your just PC collection and then also for emulators. And recently, okay. I think, I, I think it might only been last year or so, they like integrated full MAME support. Um, and it's Ooh. really awesome because I just put an entire MAME split set um, in there and they can even filter out all the like shit and MAME that you're like, I don't fucking need the casino games. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Like they'll filter those out so they don't appear in your launch box. And then they'll download all of the metadata. So like trailers, images, ratings from others, when it was released, all the Wikipedia info, like everything. And then they put the box art and stuff and they make all these playlists based on the memes. It's really awesome. Like it feels like I just put a fucking arcade in here. And what's really cool is they've also had these, so they create the look of a CRT um, Mm. on it. And, but they also put on the side of it, the arcade, um, um, like what, like what would be on the side of the arcade basically. Right. Um, so you get art from the actual games there, which sometimes even has like how to play on there. And it's really cool. Like I just, it's small touches, but like it feels really fun to use. Right. And I, I had to experiment a little bit with main because usually when I go in, I have to like edit a couple of the input settings here and there. Um, but that's just, that's main, you know, that's just how main is. <laughs> um, so anyway, all that to say, uh, expect more arcade games from me. Um, because they're really awesome palette cleansers. They're just really great. I love to pop one in after I've played a game and I'm just like, let's just do a little arcade run and then, all right, what's the next long one, you know? Or even just like if I'm playing a long game and I need a break, I'm like, let's just pop an arcade game on. (laughs) Um, Anyway, 
what else have I been playing? Oh yeah. So sorry, Rick. I know we were gonna <laughs> play this, but then you've been so busy, and then Abitage was around. So Abitage and I did a run of Escape Academy. Um, I know. I'm sorry. We'll play another one together. I promise. <laughs> you've been replaced by Abitage, Rick. <laughs> well, Abby was around, and actually, I have to say, Abitage is um, unlike you two, or maybe Powell. Actually, your time zone works out. Unfortunately, Rick, you and Abitage's time zone, I feel like, is like in direct competition with each other because you're like on the exact opposite sides of the world. When we've played together, it's been like a whole thing where um, we kind of have to plan it ahead. He either has to get up early or it's a day where I've got the day off and it's like his evening. Yeah. So it is, it's 10 and a half hours difference. It is always going to be an awkward yeah. one. Ours, luckily, is not that tough because like basically I played at seven o'clock at night for me and then it was 10 a.m for him so it was kind of like this perfect time on the weekend so anyway you can do this in one run actually so i actually recommend mm. you play this with your partner because i think you Ooh. two would have a lot of fun with this yeah um is it a partner- split screeny thing what's the setup like so I, yeah. I know the the concept of the game i know almost nothing about the game it is we had a fucking blast with this like we did it in mm. one sitting actually because it only took us about three and a half hours to beat the whole game and it is so much fun um so essentially the way it works so we did it online I and mean, you just start like an online game but the nice thing with this is that you can just like continue on playing solo if you want or not and it seems like there are adjustments made for two players at least dialogue wise i don't know if there are any adjustments um puzzle wise but anyway um the way it works is it's actually it's split screen for both of you online which is really neat so like you can see the other person's view which actually is very useful when solving puzzles, right? Because there'd be times where I'm like, oh shit, I'm trying to figure this thing out. And then I'd be like, oh wait, I'll go sh- I'll go like look at the thing. And then he'll look at it so I can see what he's seeing. At the right? same time. Yeah. Almost like the opposite of keep talking, nobody explodes. Yeah. Exactly, right? Because the idea yeah. is like, you know, and what was really fun playing together is that there were natural puzzles that I was just like, I don't know. Like my brain was just short circuiting the appetizer. Just like, Oh, I figured it out. And then I'd be like, Oh, I figured this out. Like it was a really natural, like it really felt like, cause I was wonder, like I'm like, and we both talked about this. We're like, I don't know. Um, like is one person going to figure more stuff out than the other? You know what I mean? Like you're kind of like, I don't know what it's going to be like, but it was, it felt very natural and it really felt like, um, just supporting uh, each other, which was really fun. And, the environments and like the puzzles that you uh, uh, solve are quite varied actually like they really have Mm. unique scenarios for each one that you go through there's about 10 um like escape rooms essentially that you do and they're all very different from one another and all the puzzles feel quite different from one another as well um it didn't feel like they were ever really repeating anything um sometimes like kind of a concept may be slightly repeated sort of but not really and honestly by the time we finished it we were both just like, I really fucking hope to make a sequel because it was just like, it was just really fun. Um, and that. it is a little unfortunate that, you know, it's three and a half hours and like, obviously, like those three and a half hours though are like absurdly curated, you know, like just really well considered um, and really well paced. It is a little unfortunate. Like they have this kind of story that's very silly and, uh, but like, it's good enough. Like, it's not like, it's a little, it's a, you know what it is a little bit? It's a little bit like neon white where you're like, there's a story in there and it's serviceable and it's fine. Um, it's not why you're here. It doesn't detract, but you're just like, okay, you know, it's a part of it. Um, but what was a little too bad is that there's like this dialogue things that you can go do. Like you can go around this quad, like this academy and 
there's puzzles and you click on them and you go you go do the puzzles. But then there are also like little people and you can go and talk to them. But it's just flavor text, which is fine, I guess. But you're kind of like, we ignored them, basically. We were like, well, it's not really anything. So we might as well just move on. Um, it does I'm going to go to bat from the white here, though. I actually quite liked that story by the end of it. I thought it made a, a very specific and not super flattering first impression. I think it builds into something really, really good. Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say okay, you're wrong, really okay. good. I would say good. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we'll talk about that in a sec. I, I have mostly nothing but good things to say about Neon White, to be honest. But anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? Shit. No, Sorry, you were talking about like the created feel of the game, how... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, also... Like, the get... story doesn't detract too much from it. No, and you get these little badges. The art style is gorgeous, by the way really 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 beautiful and they give you these little badges for cleaning the puzzles that look so tactile and they're so so satisfying it's really hard to explain they just they look like real physical objects that i could just go grab and like so much more detailed than like anything else in the game and every time we get one Apataj and i were like oh hell yeah <laughs> like show me that animation of it going into your little badge box it was like if pokemon badges were cool you know <laughs> that's what it felt like um so yeah i recommend it and oh this is the other thing i was gonna say they do this neat thing where whenever there's text to be read um it's just for you to read and if you finish before the other person it just says like you know apatage is currently is finishing reading and then it just starts up when you're done uh, and i love cool. that yeah i was like this is great now they weren't always consistent with it sometimes <laughs> on like the overworld we would like be playing and I'd like click through and I was like, wait a minute, did I click through for you as well? <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, you did. I was like, huh, that's a little weird. I don't know why they did that that way and not the, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a perfect Game Pass game. Like absolutely perfect Game Pass game that I really recommend people uh, try out and play because it's just extremely fun. Um, not that, it's not that hard. Like we never really, I think we used a hint maybe twice um and that was because we were just kind of like oh where are we supposed to and the hints are very good reminds me of the room a little bit like they're very good at just giving you just enough information to get your brain going um obviously you can ask for more if you want but what they do is they just kind of give you these sort of like just kind of like a little picture of something you might want to go look at right um instead of like words necessarily and i i really appreciated that i was like okay this is nice um Hmm. yeah anyway that is escape academy it's dope. Highly recommend. Um, Time Spinner. I beat that one. Mm-hmm. I love that game. That's a great game. <laughs> I did yeah, end up doing cool. all of the side quests because like, you said there was like some story stuff. Uh, side quests are bullshit. Um, but I like the I story that they actually reveal, which is weird. Usually it's the other way around for me where I'm like, I prefer the yeah. gameplay stuff. Like in actually when we come to Neon White, it's like the gameplay stuff and the side quests is what I liked more than... <laughs> The dialogue but in this one the dialogue was really nice and it created this very lovely little world in the past and i was like that's nice i got like the true end um mm-hmm. oh i did both ends because you know well there's three ends technically i did two of them uh i spent probably a lot more time in this game than you have to because i really liked it and it felt really good and i wanted to explore everything and it really scratched a castle castlevania itch and I'd say this is one of those, you know, what's interesting. I think this is a more successful bloodstain um, in the sense that like, that's totally fair actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what bloodstain wanted to be is what this game is. And I think the reason is like this game doesn't really have the bloat, 
that uh, Bloodstain has. It's very streamlined, you know? It's kind of the same with Bloodstain's Castlevania 3 are like, that Curse of the Moon one. Yeah. Where people are like, this is actually better than the Bloodstain. Bloodstain. It is. I love Curse of the Moon. It's so good. <laughs> I haven't played it, but it looks dope. Oh, it's amazing. I need to play the second one, actually. I think, didn't, I think Tiamat just got like, two boxed versions of those ones i think switch like ran yeah. an arm and a leg yeah they're expensive uh like i, I tried to run. think yeah yeah it's i i've played a castlevania game I've, I've come to castlevania i need to play the original castlevania 3 is my feeling mm. before i play curse of the moon because i want that frame of reference and yeah anyway we'll come to that Sorry, yeah but, but anyway no it's just i really really like this game it's got an interesting story. Mm. I really didn't read any of the logs. There's too many. And if you like <laughs> that stuff, though, they're there, and that's great. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to slag the game for that. It's just, I don't care. Um, but I thought it was neat. Um, I thought the ending cutscenes were cool. Um, I just really liked it. Yeah. It's not that hard, I have to admit. It's not that hard. Like, it's kind of, it, it might be on the easy side. It's on side the easy side, for sure. Yeah. But most of the Egovania type Castlevanias are, I feel like yeah. they, they almost have an inverted difficulty curve where as you get stronger, the game kind of becomes laughably easy. I, I think that's yeah. a feature more than a bug. There's definitely ways it could be done better, but I don't think it's in and of itself a bad thing. Exactly. Like it's kind of, cause like the reason it gets easier is because I'm, I was getting better and then I was finding secrets. Right. And so then it's like, well now yep. it's easy. And in this one, I also think part of what makes it easy is like once you figure out a good loadout, you're good to go because <laughs> you have these yeah. like orbs and like i found a couple that i was like oh this is like this is fucked <laughs> like it's just so strong and like there's a couple bosses i just sort of stood next to them and was like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> they're just down <laughs> um all right and then last but not least certainly not least i beat neon white um mm -hmm. i definitely played twice as long as you played the first time <laughs> i yeah. know i've beaten all your records except for the first world you've gone through and beaten them again and then i didn't bother the last two levels i think i'm like a few seconds or so behind and i just you know what it is i beat the game and then all motivation gone this always happens whenever yeah. i beat a game right i beat a game and i'm just like it's over i'm done so like, i don't really well, we'll see when i go back and beat all your times we'll see if that itch gets you could do it well actually i'm gonna say this maybe in a maybe in a few months actually this would be a good game for me to revisit at some point but what i will say i think you could beat most of mine but there are there. I have I think three developer times that will certainly be a challenge to get to to beat. One of them I think you certainly can. There's one that honestly it's going to be pretty hard to beat. I got a really good time. Gauntlet has been thrown down. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, it's like it's it. I did pretty good on a couple. Most of them are just like a little bit. There's a few near the end. I could tell I was running out of steam. Um, where I was just like whatever i'm point 10 seconds faster than rick that's good enough <laughs> you know it's like it's good enough it's fine um i think this game is like a nearly perfect game um i still think it is probably the most fun i've had with the game this year bar none like it's absolutely sure. super super enjoyable and also one of the few games where i'm not someone like these days i don't I don't play obsessively. Like it probably seems like I play tons of games and I do, but I tend to play them in like downtime between working and stuff. Right. And like, you know, spending time with, with family, with my partner, with my dog, mm. um, you know, that kind of shit. Um, this game, definitely. I stayed up late a few nights playing this cause it was so addictive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, Holy shit. Mm -hmm. I want to get that score. Like it's the first time I've had that in years, honestly. Um, and it was pretty fun. It also helps that it's the summer and I can do that. and It's no big deal. So, <laughs> um, 
my only complaint, my own, so again, I, I think the story, like you said, it, it has enough, um, internal, internal, um, consistency. It's like fine with me. Um, I still think it's easily the weakest part of the game. And that is, yeah, yeah, in part because the rest of the game is so good. Um, I, I slightly understand some of the choices they made. Um, I still think some of the dialogue is just like the side quest dialogue is really fucking dumb. Like I, I just, I agree. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the main quest stuff was fine. I thought it was, I thought it was intriguing enough. Like I was like, Oh yeah, this is interesting. I like where you're going with this. Your characters are getting a little more stuff. I think yellow gets the short shift. (laughs) He's also totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also kind of annoying. So I was sort of glad. (laughs) I, I think that was also like, without spoiling anything, I think that was very intentional choice. Um, to sort mm-hmm. of play with uh, what you immediately shorthand into where you think the things are going to go. And Fair. then that's an opportunity for them to flip the script. Yeah. Um, and I think in that sense, he's really functional. Um, yeah, he, well, he's a functional. Yeah, that's the thing. I think he's a plot. He's a function of the plot more than a character, um, which the others. That's are, totally fair. Yeah, yeah, I think the others are far more characterized, um, hmm. which is yeah. nice. And. I, I like the themes, like the thematic uh, things that they go through, I think uh, are consistent, which is nice. And like, I guess the way I'd say it, it's like, it's it's about as good as a story around speedrunning, I think can get in a way, you know, like with like with what yeah. the gameplay is, right? And that's why it made me think of Escape Academy a little bit, where it's like, I think the story in Escape Academy, which is very silly, is about as good as it can be around a game that is very purposefully about escaping <laughs> escape rooms, you know what I'm saying? Where like, it's not going to win any fucking awards, but like, it's not bad at all. It's just like, oh, that's, that serves its function. Um, I still think the art style is gorgeous. I love it. I really wish the side quest didn't have so much of the dialogue stuff because I love the side quest missions. Those are really, really fun and really unique mm. and really neat. And I felt a little like, I'll, I won't lie. Like the first six, maybe missions or like episodes um, I was finding all of the gifts on my own. Then they get really obtuse to the point where it's like, you'd have to like, there's so many where there's, it's not even almost obvious where they'd be. You'd have to like scour the entire map. And so I just got to a point where I, I just had a fucking video showing me all the gift locations and I just played through mm-hmm. it and figure out how to get it. Cause I was like, I don't, I'm not fucking doing that. Like that would have honestly, had I not done that, my time would have been like, an extra five hours at least like it there. Some of the later ones are really hard to find. Um, they do put like a halo around them. I think it would be cool if you had an option yeah. to make it show you exactly where they are, because I, I do think the joy is more working out how to get to them. Than yeah. Particularly spotting them. Although for the most part, to be fair, I did spot them quickly. I know there's one that um, was quite irksome for me. I think it was world 11 of 12. Mm-hmm. Um, like a couple of levels in after you got that final amazing game changing awesome, really. item. Yeah. Which, what a great idea. I The 11th mission was great because I was getting a little tired by the 10th mission. I was like, all right. I, this but is- this is the thing. It's paced so well and there's yeah. always something new to build upon and carry you through. But in one of those levels, the present is literally directly above and behind yeah. the starting location. There is no way you could possibly know it's there. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the few where I did end up sort of Googling it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really, really clever when you work out it's there, but 
I think it, it's a fair, albeit very, very minor criticism in my Yeah, mind. and the reason that, like, the reason I, like, had the criticism a little bit of it is that, like, all of, like, most of White's memories are locked behind these gates, so you kind of have to go get the gifts, and then all of this fun side content is is locked behind the gifts, so it's like, the gifts aren't really optional. Like, they are, but they're not really, like, if you want to get the full Neon White experience. Um, it's not the best way to structure it, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I Again, I think it's really, really minor. It's something they could have improved on. Exactly. And that's like, the thing is all my, all my problems with neon white are like, like, I feel like I need to contextualize. They're very minor compared to the sheer amount of enjoyment I had with this fucking game. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But to me, it's a perfect example of a nine out of 10 game, which is actually like, but like, I, there's too much holding it back for me to be like a perfect 10. Um, cause it's close, but for like a first, cause isn't this their first go? I'm pretty sure. Like I don't. Know. I think for this group, yeah, like the the creative mind is the Donut County guy, which uh, what a whiplash. But <laughs> as a as a group, I believe it's their first game together. Yeah, Angel Matrix, right? Because Ben Ben yep. Esposito is the one who did yep. Donut County, right? Yeah, and then right. this group is their first kind of thing that they're they've done together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which is just incredible, honestly. Um, yeah. Because it's so fantastic. So, I don't know. All I'll say is, like, if you have a chance to play this game, fucking play it as soon as possible. Because it is absolutely incredible. Um, and probably one of the best games out there. So, that's that. <laughs> Which was a lot. Why don't you two take... Paolo, I feel like Rick and I are talking a bunch. Why don't you tell us about your building? Full of cats. Oh, sorry, I had a cat headbutt in my microphone, so I had to stay muted for a while there. Um, <laughs> it would have been out otherwise. Mm. Well, um, speaking of cats, have I finished a building full of cats that's more or less a hidden object um, game where you just have to find all the cats on each floor of a building. And at the, there's also one special cat that you have to find like multiple times on each floor, hmm. uh, and find and eventually you get to adopt it, or not. But you must be a total monster to not adopt a cat if you have the chance. <laughs> so yeah, I there's really nothing else to the game like for real. It's just good old and cat cat searching. <laughs> it's just find the cats. It's like find Willy, but find the cats. Nice. There are a lot of cats, though. Oh, is that where find Willy? I was about to say, is that where's Wally? Do you mean the guy in the red and white stripes? Which is, yeah. where's Waldo here? Which is oh, where's Wally I'm, I'm in the UK? It's Waldo, it's not Wally. For some reason, I, I got it confused. No, no, no. Mind. I think it's Wally in some places. Like you said in the UK. It's right? Wally here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of prefer the idea that it would be called Find Willy, though, because that's a beautiful double entendre. <laughs> Why did I call it actually... Waldo in America? Maybe it's because Wally says... It's called Willy in some places. I think it's called Where's Waldo and Where's Wally. Those are the two names. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Find Willy is like an alternate better universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably like a knockoff or something like that. <laughs> and he's in like yellow and black stripes to be legally distinct <laughs> oh my god now I just really want to know why on earth it's called Where's Waldo in North America 
Oh, never mind. That's the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you know we there's a the sequel mind. to a building full of cats coming called A Castle Full of Cats? Oh, my. Ooh. Because finding cats is fun. Though there were. It, coming many out over. <laughs> there was a, a Catvania hidden object game. <laughs> that art style is nicer. It's very like monochrome. Hmm. I'm a fan of that. Mm, currently searching the castle full of cats because you got the. There you go. Anyway, I didn't find any conclusive answer about the Where's Waldo thing. I guess it all it is is marketing. They were like, eh, Wally doesn't sound good. Waldo will be better. To which I have to say, I agree. I love Fair Waldo. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, yep. Um, well, shit, Rick. Shall you regale us then? Sure. Um, I've got quite a few, actually. I've been a busy boy this week. So I finally beat Sifu. Um, hey. The stupid thing is, once I got through the boss of World 3... Worlds 4 and 5 were A, significantly more manageable, and B, probably the best content the whole game has to offer um, from a, a mechanical design standpoint. Uh, the final boss is dog shit. It's, it's a mirror copy of you, but also like your most powerful abilities. You're just not allowed to use against him. It, oh. it literally, you, you press the button to activate, and it says you can't use it on this character. Um, and also, like he's got other things that he can do that you can't. So it's this weird thing where it's like you're fighting a copy of yourself, but also like in all the ways that would even this fight out, you're not fighting a copy of yourself. Um, mm. I got the bad end. I watched the other ends. Fuck the requirements you would need to get through to get the good end. Because um, aren't the requirements pretty intense? Like <laughs> pretty intense is putting it mildly. So there's yeah. three endings in essence. The first good and bad end um i think is purely like a binary choice at the very end as i understand oh, okay, it okay. um to get the the true full secret super duper gold star end um you have to get through the whole game mm-hmm. um at the age of 25 or younger or 29 or younger um which for context means you've died at most at absolute most nine times in the entire run that that's not realistic it's just it's just fucking not um there's no chance i have i have better things to do with my time i don't have that kind of patience or lack of sanity it just wasn't ever going to happen i like a lot of things about this game i think the structure really hamstrings all of it and thematically i can see the through line i get what they were going for to an extent i like it um as a game it ruins it it really does it it makes what on a core mechanical level is a solid nine way down to a seven or a six. Hmm. Yeah. Because it, it, that great gameplay is packaged in shit. It's like the best meat and potato pie, but the pastry is soggy papier-mâché paper. Ooh. It doesn't matter how good the filling is. Cause it's wrapped in glue and fucking tissue paper. It, it doesn't work. So that, that was a bit disappointing, I have to be honest. I, I was glad to be done with it, which is never quite mm. the experience you want. It's not the, the, the sentiment you want to feel at the end of a game. Yeah. So that's that. Disappointing, ultimately. If you're looking at this and you're not a glutton for punishment, I might even recommend playing it on easy mode just to, mm. to mitigate the structure of it all. Mm. I then went and played Castlevania Adventure. Um, as part of the Castlevania collection. So this is the Game Boy 
Castlevania game, the first one. Oh, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I'm surprised reason, you played that sorry, version. I was just saying, I'm surprised you played the, that version because there's the Rebirth, which is actually pretty fun. And the only reason, and I, I alluded to this earlier, the only reason I played this version is because I knew it was short and I wanted that frame of reference. So I have Rebirth, the ISO, on my computer waiting for me to set Dolphin up to play it. And I just, I just wanted to know what it was like. Mm. Not good is the answer. You, you can tell it's a launch Game Boy game. Uh, the character has a grand total of three walking sprites. A central one, a left shoulder forward one, oh, no. and a right shoulder forward one. Yeah. And it goes central, right, central, left, central, right, central, left. But there's like four or five frames between each of those sprites <laughs> shifting. So if you're tapping the button, it's just like uh, jittering forward. The platforming sucks ass. Um, and thank God there's like a built-in save state function because you better believe I was relying on it for the platforming. Game has some good ideas. There, there are flashes of fun in it, and you can definitely see what they were going for. You can also definitely see that at the launch of the calculator handheld, they were really, really sort of struggling to work out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's evident in the final product. It's mercifully short. I clocked the whole thing in about 40 minutes. Yeah. And it's an interesting look into the history of the franchise. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing some of the others piecemeal in between other things. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to playing Rebirth and seeing the change in that. Uh, I don't recommend this. I think you can watch uh, a playthrough of someone else in snippets and get the gist of what this game was going for. There's there's nothing for a returning player. I'm just an idiot, basically. (laughs) Uh, And then in terms of arcade games, so obviously we touched on Alien vs. Predator. Uh, I played two other arcade games to completion while I was at the arcade. And I should say, I played some more VR because they've got VR headsets at the place I went. Mm. Um, played some more Beat Saber. Also played a game called Pistol Whip. Very, very cool. I love Didn't Pistol Whip. It. It's good. I, I went back a few other times. I played a little bit of the... Um, you know there's the, the scenario things and there's one that's like a Terminator future thing. Mm. Played through that. That was so cool. Um, <laughs> Didn't beat those. Not relevant. Massive tangent. The first of the two games I beat was Space Harrier. Nice. They have an original cabinet. hasn't aged very well at all. The depth perception is non-existent. So you're in this situation where things look like they're in the background and then you've crashed into them. And with <laughs> yeah. Infinite Quarters, I was happy to spam my way through and just like see the ending, which I have to say is essentially... There are 18 levels, but... It's six levels played three times over with like slight variations in palette and layout. Welcome to arcades of the 80s and 90s. <laughs> this was the setup. Um, I do have to say, though, it prompted me to uh, take a look at the 3D Space Harrier port that M2 did for the 3DS. Much better. Mm. That, that port, I feel like, is the, the original vision of that game finally realized. Um, it is beautiful in 3D. The depth perception is perfect. It's way more playable. Um, and M2 have got a reputation for doing good port jobs for things like that for a good reason. Um, they let you invert the controls or uninvert the controls because the cabinet is inverted and there's no way to fix it. And that was a horrible part of playing that game because I, I feel like in the whole 45 minutes it took me to complete the thing, I never got quite used to up being down and down being up on the joystick. Yeah. Um, 3DS, 
change that in settings before you even start. Plays like a dream. Uh, and you can even mock in the the screen of the cabinet moving as you move your character around. It's an excellent port. It's a pity that it's going to be lost to time with the 3DS shop disappearing. But great port. Was more than happy to play through it again a couple of days after going to the arcade. The last arcade game I played, also the last game I've completed this week, also a game for which I am the first and to date only time on how long to beat. Luigi's Mansion Arcade. I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> Not me either. But it was there. So here's what I think happened. And I don't know this is what happened, but I'm almost certain this is what happened. This arcade cabinet in the, like, you know where it says, like, copyright and a date, that date is 2013. Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon for the 3DS came out around the same time. I think they took those assets, blew them up, cobbled an arcade game together out of them, particularly because I recognized the opening sections from that game in the first of the three arcade stages. Um by contrast, the control is very, very different. You have like a plastic vacuum cleaner light gun with mad haptics. So when you suck a ghost up, the the, the head of the vacuum goes choo, 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 and it almost feels like something's clunking around in it and moving up the vacuum. Incredible. Uh, the game's pretty meh, but the the experience is is what it's all about. And there's something about that whole arcade thing. There's noises going on everywhere, and you're in this little secluded corner. You know, vacuuming up ghosts and Luigi's like Mario. Great game. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, really, really good. This one was made by Sega, right? Like, it was. It's based off of Dark Moon. Yeah, I, I think so. Again, having oh, only played no, no, yeah, it Dark is, Moon, it is I recognize that yeah. first bit. Yeah, was it Sega? Yeah. I, I so forget. Capcom, I think. So, um, I thought I remembered the Capcom splash, but so I here's it's yeah, it's developed and published by Capcom, released on one of Sega's boards. Ah, yeah, okay, that makes first. sense. Yeah. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, joint. But yeah, it was based off of uh, Luigi Mansion Dark Moon. Um, sounds like it was yeah, mostly I for Japan, think... so I'm surprised there's even some outside of there. <laughs> I, it might be that's the only one <laughs> I mean, that exists. And, and I sat in it and I, you know, it's not like I would recommend you go and seek this out. Because as with most arcade experiences, certainly modern ones, it's it's on the shallow side. Yeah. There's no nice way of putting it. But as a novelty, as an experience, as a, a Nintendo property that found its way to market, it's pretty fascinating. Hmm. And it was a nice way to spend an hour of time. Um, if anyone's listening comes across it, I would recommend checking it out. Um, ideally not in a situation where you have to put coins in each time. Because as with lots of these games, it is in some ways unfairly designed and i think yeah. both you and i alex probably have quite um pro bias yes. for a lot of these games on the basis that we we didn't have to put a coin in every time we died mm. <laughs> if i had to do that <laughs> i'd hate most of these games <laughs> and, and, and on that somewhat downbeat note that is all of my completions um do one of you two want to jump in with your um retirements actually paula i i don't believe your retirement tell me about it well, so remember I retired for a while ago because the game just kept on crashing. Uh -huh, the and then thing you is, it. yep, yep. The thing about it, it is yeah. that there was still that kind of mysticism um, around the parts of the game that I didn't experience. 
And my curiosity for that part of the game grew as I discovered a YouTube channel that is... I forgot the name of the YouTube channel, but the guy is like a professional explainer and he was like, hey, let me try to explain the late game in sport and try to do fun stuff here or just try to beat the game like without evolving or beat the game in this way or that way. And I was like, hey, yeah, I remember this game without the crashing and being really fun. I'm going to try it like one more time to get to that part of the game to see how it's like. And was it worth it? I'm going to say no. First of all, um, I was talking with my boyfriend over Discord and I was like, hey, I'm going to try Spore. Do you want to, uh, to, to watch as I try to progress through the game? I was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, you get to decide the difficulty and which if, the, if my species is an herbivore or carnivore. That was my first mistake, because this game in hard mode is fucking brutal. Mm. As in, everything wants you death kind of brutal. And if you're playing a carnivore, you can't really befriend any species. Because you don't really... At least I didn't get the help of almighty RNG Jesus in my run, and I didn't <laughs> get like any parts that let me socialize. And everything was scary, so... I was like, okay, let's go like the the hunter's way. But even the most puny herbivores were killing me. So I was like, yep, nope, bye. Sorry, Steve, I'm letting you die again. So after that, I did a second playthrough, this time on normal, like I should have in the <laughs> first place. And with an herbivore. And let me tell you, you don't want to get to civilization stage without everywhere because everything is slow as fuck. So I got through all previous, like, through cell stage, through um, what's the, the creature stage, through trivial stage, which was kind of a pain in the butt, but I got it. I, I, I ended up being like the superior tribe on that game. And then I got to civilization stage and everything came to a halt. Like all progress, everything was so fucking slow that I couldn't take it anymore. Like I was trying to negotiate my way into befriending other tribes. And no, I couldn't do it. No, like I, I really like designing my own like buildings and stuff. I like designing my um, vehicles. But sorry, I'm not gonna be here like who knows how many hours to try to to befriend anyone because I was getting attacked from pretty much all fronts. So I was like, nope, bye, this run is dead, this game is dead to me. And I'm sad because the game wasn't like as fun as I hoped it would be like after reaching that stage of the game, for me, the most fun I had was in creature stage. So yeah, mm. fuck Spore. Not gonna play it again. <laughs> this time for real. Because okay. this time, I live with hatred. <laughs> oh dear. How about you, Alex? I'm yeah, interested hopefully you don't have as much hatred in my heart. I'm interested about Power Wash, first of all, because I've heard shockingly good things about oh, this one. it's quite Even fun. I feel like it's like... Ugh. Yeah, it's actually quite fun. Uh, the only reason that I've 
retired is because I'm like, well, I'm not going to do 17 hours of this. Do <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's actually, I would say this game is a is a pretty good, uh, well, you know, it, it's tough with this one because the satisfaction with, you know, doing the power washing is like watching all that dirt come off. But the kind of issue with this game for me, which might actually be the good thing for others, is that it really takes the simulation part seriously, right? Where it's like you have to change your nozzles and stuff and like a certain pressure will get rid of some. But then sometimes it's just like really specific nozzles and like you have to like clean a lot of stuff to get everything clean. And like at a certain point I was like, okay, well now it's stopped being relaxing and now it's like kind of a little nitpicky. I have to figure out where all the little pieces of dirt are. But uh Wait, this feels like work. Why am I doing A little bit. But yeah, by a certain point, you're like, well, now it feels a little too workish. And you're like, all right, I'm done. But it's really, um, it's kind of just a fun, like, like you need a few minutes to relax and watch something sort of soothing. That's kind of what it felt like a little bit. Like, I was like, yeah, Mm. there you go. Um, It's on Game Pass. So like, what the fuck? Might as well try it. And I tried it and I was like, oh, I bet you this will be extremely satisfying for a lot of people. I'm not quite that demo, um, but I'll be real with you if you're like, I think this game is probably really good for someone who's high as hell. Because like, I have a feeling if you play this and you're just like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just like, I can right. picture that. That's right. Clean yeah. That backyard. You know? <laughs> and you're just like <laughs> watching it all go away. That'd be really good. to go brr. Yeah. So maybe I'll play it again at some point. <laughs> We'll see, <laughs> but for now, Fingers I like, yeah, exactly. Yep. Like, um, anyway, it's fun and fine. Um, I also played uh, Super Pac Man just because uh, Matt was like, You tried this one kind of as a joke, and so I gave it a shot. This is really fucking weird. It's really, it's a really weird Pac Man. Pac Man gets like huge at some points, and because there's like broken off. Also, this one is not a good, so by the way, if you have an arcade stick. Don't ever play Pac-Man with it unless you have a four direction arcade stick because Pac-Man's a little weird where like mine's an eight way, right? And so if it hits a diagonal input, um, it'll register it as another input. So, so yeah, sometimes you'll be going and like Pac-Man might just like flip around. So like keyboard is actually the best way to play. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, so I just like I did keyboard. Um this is a weird this is a weird game like i said there's like little um like some of the power-ups are blocked off by like gates um and there's like buttons you can use to like open the gates but then also you can get this thing that makes pac-man huge can't eat ghosts yet but can eat through the doors and then get the th- it's just it's it's just it's weird it feels like hmm. oh we need to do something different with pac-man and no one asked why you know what i mean <laughs> Like they're like, they're like I'd be the guy in the background, but like oh, the Jurassic sorry, Park Pac-Man quote, is yeah. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no. yeah. It's like fucking around with Tetris too much, you know. Like Tetris is great. Sometimes we can mess around with it and make it fun, but usually when you mess around with it, you don't add a weird yeah. new mechanic to it. You know what I'm saying? Don't throw the baby out too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. I just it was fun to try. Didn't that? lose anything from it. Um. So there you go, Matt. Now you know. Uh. <laughs> Um, okay, why don't we move along then um, to what we've been playing? If you don't mind, actually, I'm just going to roll through because I've, I actually only have about two minutes to talk for this because I, I don't have a lot. 
I played Raiden DX on our nothing, yeah. Yeah, it's a shmup. It is fun. Um, <laughs> that's all I have to say on that one. No, um, I won't be taking further questions. Yeah, no further questions. I started up Final Fantasy IV again with my little guy. Uh, it is also fun. And it is it is Final Fantasy IV. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's just not a lot to say. Like, it's, it's very structured. Um, you don't get to choose who your party members are. So most of the challenge is just figuring out, like, what, you know, strategy do I need for each battle? That's really what the core mm. of this game is, which is actually pretty enjoyable. And I'm having a good time. I think I'm past the halfway point. I will probably beat it. It'll probably take me a long time because I'm going very slow. I'm not sure if I asked this before. What prompted you to pick the GBA version over, like, the PSP version with After Years or the DS version with the nicer graphics? Because I like the GBA. <laughs> fair enough yeah well fair and enough. i got the game boy advance guide which i'm sure will work for others but i also don't want to play the after years um i hear it's great and all that but i just want the base game boy advance game um and i think it looks really cute on the game boy advance <laughs> it's really pretty good nice little sprites and everything and the music's really nice on it too actually because i think i had did i do this for this one or did i only do it for six well the like know. restored sound mod version sort yeah of I was going to say, I know all the GBA ones need that, yeah. Yeah, I think I did it for this one too. Anyway, it sounds great. Um, That's all. I just picked it for that because, again, nostalgia for the GBA. Let's be real. That's the big part of it. Um, Plus, my modded GBA is beautiful and I love it. (laughs) Um, And then, lastly, I'm still playing Ace Attorney Investigations 2, Prosecutor's Path. Uh, This one's going to take me a while to get through, I think. I've just been playing a lot of other stuff, but I am going on vacation uh, in a week. Um, and so I'm going to bring my uh, 3DS, my Switch with me. So probably actually get through a lot of it on a plane. <laughs> um, I love it. It's super good. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> like I said, I beat a lot of stuff this week. Not playing a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> um, totally fair. I don't know who. Rick, We've it's been a while since we heard you, I suppose. Yeah. I'll jump in. Have so, you done every, anything on The Witcher? Oh, yeah. I have played more Witcher. I absolutely have. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing and playing more. I've kind of just been... The problem with The Witcher is, on the one hand, I want to finish it. On the other hand, the side questy stuff is the most enjoyable part of it to me. So I've just been, like, wandering around the swamp and wandering around the trade quarter of Azima, like, doing a load of random quests and shit. I'm almost at the point where I think the, the story's going to start barreling through. I just had, like, a really interesting... Um, so the core of the Witcher one is this greater conflict between the Empire, which is like the humans, uh, and the Scuyatel, which are like the mm. um, fantasy creatures who um, feel like they've been taken advantage of and uh, downtrodden by the humans. And there's this tug of war going on where both sides want you to side with them, uh, and you as a Witcher have this like base. Um, default to go to neutral and just be like, well, I go to whoever pays me in essence. Um, and that's the way I've been trying to role play it, but it, it's really tricky to draw that line. And the game does a lot of interesting things trying to pull you in certain directions uh, without always being entirely clear um, about other character motivations and what and why it's asking you to do certain things, which is really cool. So um, I was just involved in um, trying to stop bank heist. Uh, turns out the Squirtel were, were stealing some documents back that the humans had stolen from a, a dwarven banker. Um, and you end up helping them escape through the sewers. 
and then there's a human quest giver and you go to him and he's like, you have some cheat turning up after what you did, but he'll still give you the money if you give him the flutter fangs. So it, it, I'm enjoying it. I, I think that that's clear. It, in spite of itself, I'm enjoying it. I, I do want to finish it. I am angling to finish it like sooner rather than later. God knows it's about time. Um, <laughs> but I have played some more Witcher to answer your question, Paolo, in a very long roundabout way. I've also been playing a lot of Secret of Mana. I think I'm more or less at the end. I'm on the Mana Fortress. I've got the eight mythical MacGuffins. I've seen all the magical story advancing seeds. I've done all the shit. Um, <laughs> this game feels like one you had to be there for and or have like two other people to play with. It, it's just so fundamentally flawed in so many respects. Uh, magic's broken. The... I'm not sure even how to describe it. Like you'll hit an enemy and then the attack won't register for five seconds, but it's clearly mm. baked into the design because they carried it over to the, the Vita remake. Lots of things that really, really drag this game down. Um, if, if I wasn't invested in the Mana series as a whole, probably wouldn't have fucking bothered. Um, the, the music is wonderful. The art from the SNES version, fantastic. Just as a game, it doesn't hold up. It really, really doesn't hold up, which is has been a, a you know a sad reality unfortunately um I'll, I'll i'll be glad to be finished which again not the sentiment you want with a game like this like i want more neon whites where it's like oh i loved every moment of that but fuck as if it's over now um <laughs> and I, I just haven't had that with this one it, it's been a very sad humbling experience um hopefully the the next couple of mana games i play which are legend of mana for the ps1 um, and also Sword of Mana for the Game Boy Advance. Hopefully I'll have a bit more fun with those. Um, I started Tangle Tower, hey. the sequel to Detective Grimoire. I'm playing on Switch, which not the ideal platform for this in the sense that um, you're either slightly awkwardly using the touchscreen or you're using horrible button inputs. Hmm. The touchscreen's fine enough. I've got a stand that I sit at. I'm going to play it, and it's you know it's fine. Uh, I'm about an hour in, maybe. I've I've seen almost all of the tower that you're originally um, made privy to. I don't know if there's more map to come. I assume so, given the length of the game versus how long I've actually played it for. Uh, I really like its approach both to dialogue and map exploration, but also to puzzle solving. Um, there's all these little puzzles throughout the environment, and you know, I know this will ring bells for you, Alex, because I think you've played this one, yeah. um, where the, the puzzles are quite self-contained and small. Um, but also you have to like hit the button to say, I think I've fixed it. I think I've solved it. See if you're right or not. You can't just like brute force it quite as easily. Equally, if you hit that button and you're not quite right, um, the game has quite a nicely scoped out hint system to me so far. I also like that it takes a bit of an active role in saying, ah, oh, you've, you've unlocked or triggered this story thing. And then you have the option either to go to where that thing's going to happen and, and be there or say, ah, oh, no, actually, I won't, I'll do that later. I've got other bits I want to look at first. Yeah. I think that's a really nice sort of level structure, um, a really nice approach to pacing the game out. Super appreciative of that. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing for them to do in terms of respecting the player's time um, and also just uh, cutting to the quick, making, making the fun part the prominent part. Because one of the real whole whole backs for adventure games is being just stuck wandering around not knowing what to do next to trigger the next movie thing and i think it's a really elegant way of solving that problem without just kneecapping the player agency 
Yeah, that's my least favorite so, part of any adventure game. You're just like wandering about like, what the fuck do I click next? <laughs> yeah, where's the magic advance button in essence? Yeah, I, and I, I think they, they do a really good job with this one of, of um, sidestepping that the writing's, you know, just as, as quirky and offbeat and uh, pleasant as the first games was, which has been really nice because I was a big fan of the first game and I'm glad that that's persisted into this one. Mm. Um, I've gone back to Days Gone now that I'm finished up with Sifu. Taking a break from it really did it good. Um, it, it's felt fresh going back to it. I've appreciated all the things it does. It's still a really excellent game at its core. I think like Witcher, I might like try and push to finish this one sort of thing. I'm enjoying the main campaign. I'm enjoying the side content. It just feels like there's a lot of it. And I kind of I kind of want to see where the main path goes and and box it off. It's it's good, but it's not doing enough for me to want to yeah. uh, just sit in that world for a long, long time. Um, right, last two, and these are both kind of brief ones. Um, I have picked my old iPod Touch back up, and I'm playing a little twin-stick shooter called Alive Forever Returns. <laughs> this is a nostalgia trip for me. I cannot recommend anyone even attempt to go back and find this. God knows that it's probably unplayable unless you have a device that still has it installed at this point. Um but, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's a twin-stick shooter. I'm on, like, level 10 of 40. I'll probably poke away at this and, and beat it and just be like, oh, that's a trip down memory lane. Uh, one thing that makes me particularly sad, this is a massive tangent. Um, so Tim Rogers of Action Button fame uh, made an iOS game about a decade ago called Ziggurat, which was hella fun. Um, it is broken. It, it straight up doesn't work anymore. Um, and the guys expressed on Twitter that, you know, the game's done, he's not going to port it, he's not bothered about revisiting it um the state of ios emulation is dog i don't know that there's any way to relive that game and slowly coming to that realization made me quite sad around the same time as i started playing this game again on a lighter note the last game i've been playing is live alive for switch yeah which is a hd 2d port of a snes game that never got localized outside of japan i've only been playing the demo but I really, really like what I've seen. And I am going to be um, ordering a copy of the physical. Um, I don't to play know if port's the, the right word. I'd say this is a remake, right? Like, I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose remake's fair. Because it um, doesn't look nothing like that on the, on the SNES. <laughs> I, I suppose th this is the truest HD remake, heat remaster. Yeah. Because the, the actual core of it is is as best i can tell unchanged but then i suppose yeah, they've done fair. all the art assets over again i think remake probably is fair yeah. um if we're if we're being honest with it um because i think they didn't I like have the to... combat oh, yeah. sorry go on. i was just saying i was like i don't think they had to uh necessarily remake the actual like uh game mechanics itself because they were solid already <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i i suppose that's the only bit that has remained the same is like the the, the structure and the levels and and other things like that. Um, I haven't done a lot of combat, but I've done enough combat to know that I like what's there. Um, I haven't seen much of the story. I've seen enough to know that I'm interested in where it's going. Uh, I am, I wouldn't say necessarily a fan per se, but I am interested in the idea of like seven, you know, two or three hour campaigns that weave together into this final thing. Um, was pointed out to me and i hadn't thought of it until it was pointed out to me this is probably what octopath was trying to to crib yeah. off 
And it's interesting that the style that Octopath has propagated is now coming full circle in being the basis for a Live Alive remake on the same platform. Um, and I've got Octopath somewhere, so that's probably one I'll come back to um, eventually as well. Um, but yeah, so th this is going to drop off my playing very, very soon. Won't go into a retired because it, it's one where when I get the physical, I will then pick up where I left off. But yeah, I, I got did the want to talk about arriving this week. Out. Tomorrow, have you? Oh, well, because I'm going on that there vacation, and I was like, I'm playing this game on the plane, man. <laughs> mm. Um, this was actually a huge inspiration to uh, Toby Fox and stuff for uh, Undertale. Actually, is mm. that so? Okay, yeah, very big inspiration. Yeah. Interesting, because Undertale's another one I've got to play soon. I've had it sat on my Vita for a few months, and like it just needs to happen, really. Um, so yeah, that that's me. Uh, Paula, see us out. What have you been playing this week? I've been playing a lot of stuff, because as I have stated previously, I repeat after me, Paula has the memory of a nugget. The, the attention <laughs> span of a nugget. <laughs> and the memory too, it seems. Um, I was going to say, memory maybe as well. It's funny. You can't remember the saying you want to go for. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, I've been playing The Greatest Journey Adventures. I officially finished the second case. I'm starting the third one. Not much to say uh, there. I've been playing a little bit of Stardew Valley, this time on my own little farm. And that is because of that exploiter account, exploiter YouTube account that I told you about earlier. Mm. Because if you, um, if you name your character after the item code or a particular item code, you will get that item each time someone says your name because of how the game is programmed. So I got that way some a little bit more of, of energy for my character. So I can uh, do a lot of stuff very early in the game. Damn. Okay. Um, hold on, there's a tail over here. <laughs> for the listeners at home, Paola's cat's tail is literally the entirety of the screen that we can see for Paola. Um, I'm trying to see mind. my notes think, on cheese in front of a screen. There. I think it's pretty funny, to be fair. And I will never say no to some fluff. Yeah, and please don't leave the microphone alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? What's up? <laughs> oh, she's just looking at the camera like, what are you looking at? <laughs> I feel oh, like uh, like Pow's in the midst of moving. I feel like your cat's like a little like, dude, what is going on right now? <laughs> yeah, she's a, especially lately, she's been like super restless. So I don't know. Like, oh, now you're okay. Give me mm -hmm. a second. I need to open the door. <laughs> <laughs> this is staying in the edit. I'm not cropping this out. I think this is hilarious. <laughs> Kind of topical as well because we've got a stray playthrough coming up. Okay, that now that the fluffy's gone. As um, you were. What? As you were. <laughs> as I was. Um, I'm also playing Hollow Knight. I finally beat the. Um, I forgot the name of the boss again. Was it like the Soul Master? Yeah, Soul Master. 
Oh my god, that battle, like, I don't know how many attempts it took me. At the end, I was like, okay, maybe I'm doing something wrong because, because it happens. So I look up uh, uh, on YouTube a video of, of someone like beating the boss and he was so, like, he make it look like so fucking easy. <laughs> And at the end of the day, I still took, it still took me like about five more attempts after I knew like the exact pattern of the boss and the exact pattern of how I had to attack. Still, I beat the boss. I defeated that bastard, so I'm happy. Hell yeah. Another game that makes me very, very happy is Stray. <laughs> this one came out um, last week. And you play as a cat on it. And I love cats. I don't know if it was a brand after the, the <laughs> Foof's ap um, appearance on the podcast. And I just love the attention of to detail of this game. This game? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let me s set my thoughts straight before I'm... Set your thoughts I'm straight. <laughs> oh my god. Hey. Okay, that one, that one was good. That one was good. <laughs> um, so yeah, mm. uh, you believe you play as a little cat who got like separated from the rest of his family. I'm assuming it is his cat family, and uh, he falls like into this abyss, and there's like these queer creatures um, that are chasing it. And as you explore more. You realize there are robots living here, and that humans are completely gone. So what the cat wants to do is to go back to the to the outside world because this place is between the sewers underground. I don't know what the fuck this place is, but it is underground. And the cat wants to go and reunite with with uh, with its family. So. You start like digging around, you find this little robot that helps you navigate the place and talk with the robot. And yeah, that's the whole premise of the, the game. You're stuck, you want to go back. And I thought at, this, at the beginning when I was watching the trailers that it was going to be like more of a platformer, which I was wrong. And I'm so fucking glad I was wrong because as you've seen with Hollow Knight, Platforming is not one of my strengths over here, mm. but uh, it's more of a adventure slash puzzle game in the sense of you have to like find the people that are going to help you, but also there's a lot of little puzzles like spread up across the, across the, the space. And also the attention to detail of this game is wonderful. Like the, the way... This is going to sound maybe bias coming from me because I have a cat. I own a cat. <laughs> I have a cat friend. And the attention to detail, like to every movement the cat does is amazing. Including when you first get the backpack. Like the cat is like, no, fuck off. And pretty much go sleep on the floor and walks like in a very weird way, which by the way, it was a spot out how cats walk if you try to dress them. And it was so, it was, it was like such a nice touch, even though the cat was like, get this thing off of me. 
Eventually, the robot was like, "Yeah, st stop that! It was designed for um, small animals like you, so get over it, mm -hmm. and you can work normally again." But yeah, like I don't know. This is a cat being a cat kind of game, and I love it. I've heard that it is very short, which makes me very sad. <laughs> Um, but what I played so far has been beautiful, amazing. So I guess I real I I prefer this game being a short experience than the game over saying it's welcome because so far so good. If you have the chance to go pick it up, maybe well until it is, until it, I guess like some um, countries from Latin America. It is cheaper on Steam. Like it's also on PS Plus. I want isn't it? to. It's also on PS Plus, right? If you are subscribed to PS Plus, you get the game, and you don't have to pay for it. Though it's like yeah, one of those higher tier things. I don't really know. I don't know what. Oh it's like yeah, probably. It's just a weird one now with the PS Plus is like three tiers. So there's the base tier, which is what PS Plus used to be. There's right. the middle tier. Which includes Stray and like the more regular games, and then there's the top tier, which also includes like the retro PS Now type games. Which is a weird one to make the top tier, but anyway, that's their business. I agree. <laughs> yeah, we are subscription to your stuff. But also yeah. on a counterpoint, um, on PC there's already a Garfield mod, so you know. I've seen that. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Pick your choices here. Yeah, I'm going PC. <laughs> Stray. Garfield. It looks pretty good Sorry. too. Mm. I have to. I, I need to see this because I. Oh my god! I love it. <laughs> I recommend to anyone who wants to play this game to download that right away. Yeah. Mm. Like. Okay. I recommend the game. Like especially, I know it is probably like a full full price game on most countries. Especially on Steam, but if you can get it, especially on Steam, go for it. Like I love the game to pieces already. And another game that it is way more, I guess, more people have access to it to it because of Game Pass is Age of Empires Four. And lately, I've been trying to um, strengthen my single player um, abilities on this game because. Well, as you may or may not know, depending on, I don't know if it's gonna, is it gonna be over the poll? Like, by the time this episode, episode releases, out? yeah, the poll will be over. <laughs> we're, we're, okay. we, we have a backlog of recorded episodes at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's very confusing. But, anyways, um, it's probably the game that's gonna win the poll anyway, but. By the... So, Pal is talking about the Game of the Month poll. I'm trying. Sorry, yeah, I'm okay, trying I got to you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you here, girl. I got you. Because Paula won the How Long to Beat Round 2, and of the three choices was Age of Empires, Code Realize, and uh, SMT4. And right now, Age of Empires is in a pretty hefty lead. Um, so, it's... Unless something wild happens, it's most likely that the game we'll play in, in August is Age of Empires 4. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. No Thank problem. you very much. 
So I've been trying to like strengthen my single player game a little bit because if we end up playing that game, maybe we could do some uh, multiplayer stuff like a two on two or a free for all or yeah. stuff like that. And my boyfriend called me evil for even thinking this. I was thinking that maybe I could coach one of you and my boyfriend could coach the other one of you. And then we have an Alex versus Freak showdown at the end of the month, which would be... <laughs> yeah, I'm probably evil mastermind in some universe. I feel like, because Rick, I don't know. Do you play these kind of games at all? Because I don't really at all. I've, I've dabbled in RTSs. I've played Age yeah. of Empires once, like yeah. over a decade ago. Um, I loved Revenant Wings on the DS. I was a big I, Rise of I Nations. I that really fan. compares. Rise of Nations was my jam. I feel like you and I would be on a similar like uh, ability level at the start, at least. You know, like I don't think you and I are Probably. all that different in these. Which is to say, no real experience. <laughs> <laughs> Skill level in the lack of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe down, see who's the Sweet. better coach. <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. Either that or having yet like um displaying you two on each like of our teams and like seeing which team can uh, can defeat the other. Mm. I don't know. There mm. are so many configurations of how you play each of empires that we could just have some people from the forums and join us and do like a I don't know, for, for a 2v2v2v2 or a free-for-all yes. with eight players. There's a lot of stuff you can do there. Uh, a lot of fun stuff, too. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but even though I would love if Code Realize um, somehow wins this, <laughs> I'm still, like, I'm still slowly cheering up more for Age of Empires for because of all the possibilities. Anyways, um, and back to Otome Land because I'm replaying in two Otome games, which are Pia Fury Fading Memories, because we are preparing with my group of friends that play Otome games for Pia Fury 1926, which is the sequel to Fading Memories, which will come out on September 22nd if my memory serves right. And to be honest, I was, uh, I know the overall story of the thing, but at some point I, I'm like, I'm not even sure who's alive and who is in the live on each of the Mafia routes. So might as well replay this, have some fun in the process, especially when I'm replaying with friends, which is even more fun. And yeah, there's that. And finally, Color Mali's. I think this is like my fourth playthrough, but um, my my friend dragged me into this into replaying this game <laughs> because there's another friend who's just getting into Otome games, and she's and my other friend was like, "Hey, you know what? Since this friend is playing the game again for the first time, I kind of want to replay the game." And I'm like, "Okay, since." You're replaying the other game with me. I'm going to replay this game with you. And we're going to have some fun together. So, you're yeah. A bunch of I'm just in the opening segment. <laughs> oh. So you're a bunch of enablers. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're a bunch of enablers. We are like... We are like totally 
little gremlins and also gremlin enablers here. So that's oh what happens when you get into the friend group. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm yeah, that's addictions anonymous. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That'll be your next, next campaign. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> tangential. <laughs> It's okay, it's okay. I can live it when I'm It's just not to. The 12 steps are like, I will not worship pretty boys. <laughs> it's the 12 roots. Each one is a pretty boy. Shit, I'm back in it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Is this supposed to help? Ah! Life is not made up of multiple roots. It is but one. <laughs> I can only choose one reality and I cannot rewind time to take the right choice. Catboys are not real. <laughs> you know are real? Just about? Still? Okay. Oh, shit! Ooh. Actually, are we good, Paula? Do you want anything else? Or can we, take, can we ride that transition? We can ride that transition. Nice. Um, speaking, yeah, I mean, arcades are arguably still kind of real, but also quite virtual because um, <laughs> they're all over now. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Rick and I just kind of coincidentally, I got an arcade stick, and as you heard, Rick was playing a shit ton of arcade in the arcade. So we thought, why don't we talk about arcade gaming in the 21st century? And the heck does that even mean um, these days? Because at this point, like, when I think about actual arcades that exist, uh, surprisingly, they're still kicking a little. Um, mm. The thing that is interesting to me is that I've noticed that arcades, at least near me, like, I'm in a small town right now, and I was looking it up, and yeah, there's an arcade. Um, but it's, they're very much doing the VR thing, right? Like, they'll have, like, VR booths and an arcade in there. Um, yeah. Which is neat. I know you did some VR stuff, which, I, it's, see... That to me, I have to admit, is kind of it's kind of fascinating for me. Maybe just because I'm someone who's spoiled and has, you know, consumer VR at home. Um, but I even feel like now the the like at this point, VR is becoming even more accessible for like everyday players, right? Like it's, I'd argue the keyword's that, becoming though, right? Yeah. Like that that kit is still a few hundred pounds, which uh, is not necessarily easy to justify if you've already got a console you've already got something else and i suppose yeah. this is where vr is almost arcade 2.0 in that yeah you have the best experience if you can afford all the kit yeah. and you know similar to back in the arcade days you could still buy a neo geo for your home and True. have an arcade accurate experience but also like you could just go and dip your toe in it i would or, argue though you know, that like the startup cost for an arcade back in the day cabinet is a lot more expensive than a vr kit and a lot more space it's not right? a direct comparison uh, i do see what you're saying yeah <laughs> but it, it, as i think the transition through will be the same in that as vr becomes more ubiquitous its place in an arcade will fade away yeah. it's also a bit different in that the majority of the vr experiences are available at home in an identical form versus yeah. like the arcade ports you would have seen back in the day. Um, but it's, it's another interesting avenue to explore for them, right? Because arcade machines now are a niche within a niche. So you have the old ones that are being um, renovated, rehomed, fixed, maintained, all of that stuff. You have the odd new thing or newer thing. Um, and then you have this VR 
situation. They all kind of come together to justify themselves collectively. At least that's been my experience of what few yeah. arcades we have in the UK. Um, but by contrast, and I think this is where I thought it was an interesting thing to cover. The arcade experience very much lives everywhere now, not only obviously with the main setup and the way you have that at home, but also arcade-style experiences in more conventional gaming. So Shredder's Revenge, we just did a playthrough of that together. Seafood, right? That That is an arcade experience through and through, mm-hmm. uh, released as a regular like home release. Um, you look at games like Seafood, that feels very arcadey yeah. in that you have a few shortish levels and you're expected to learn and memorize and improve and perfect those. And that that is the arcade impetus. That's kind of what that's built around. Yes, you have a meta progression that's kind of a roguelike thing feeding in. But I feel like the things that made arcade games feel uniquely arcadey are finding their own niche within the home gaming market at the same time as they're also finding a bit of a revival elsewhere. Well, I'd also say that I think, you know, maybe hot take, but I actually think like the demise of the arcade is overall a net good for consumers in general, because like I would say that arcades as nostalgic and fun as they are, are a capitalist fucking nightmare. Like they're just like this quarter crunching, like give me your money, like gameplay design, you know, like in terms of most of those games, Mm -hmm. like you've mentioned, like when we play them without the quarters, it's really fun. But when you look at their design, they're like, honestly, some of the most cynical forms of gaming that I've like ever seen when they were first come out because they're this like, well, we have to make this difficult so that they replay and put money and put money and put money in. And then the removal now of that context actually makes them really fun, right? Like when you play Turtle, like uh, Shredder's Revenge and you know you're not puppeting, it's extremely enjoyable. You're like, oh, because at their core, the ones that are very successful are actually extremely well-made games, right? Um, it's just that they have these little things pumped into them where it's like, okay, but you know, they don't die enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 and this yeah. is where, and this is the, the microtransaction argument, right? Where, yeah, um, the, the the financing informs the design in a really negative, pernicious way. Um, we've waffled on, Paolo. What what do you think about the whole thing? Have you got things to add, or? Well, um, I have like very little experience with arcade, hmm. uh, with arcade games in general. So I do have to say that, um. Being able like to play to to your heart's content or at your own leisure uh, play, uh, pace, like whatever you want, whenever you want, without having to put in the quarters or like, oh shit, I need to put that one more quarter to finish this story <laughs> or whatever. Because I do remember that I played a D&D game, but on emulator hmm. with a couple of friends. And we actually um, made them like crunched in the, the numbers of how many quarters we would have needed and i think it was like very close to a full price game if, if not more so <laughs> so yeah like the the fact that we only like uh had to press a button to insert a coin quote unquote but not mm-hmm. really uh to clip to keep playing just just didn't make the the game like a chore because if I'm pretty sure that trying to play that uh, campaign, having to invest the quarters, not only it would have been extremely expensive, 
it would have broken many, many uh, friendships along the way because, <laughs> like, oh shit, you didn't bring like that one last quarter. We fucking need to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think too, you know, it's interesting. Like, you're, you're reminding me. Like, I went with my fiance a while back before COVID hit to this arcade, um, and uh, a lot of arcade games too. Now I'm finding at least the ones that I think are most successful are these kind of novelty things where it's like very much. And I don't mean novelty like in a bad way, just like novelty in the sense of like the input or the way that it it is like designed is very much like has to be here. Like for instance, I think of those giant like wall high space invader games. Like have you tried those ones where it's like I haven't bought another one. Never seen those. They're like freaking like 20 feet high and it's just ginormous space invaders that you can play with your part and it's so cool like like all these led it's really really something else um and feels really fun and you're just like yeah i can only play this right here you know what i mean <laughs> like you're like because you can it. build bespoke controls yeah mm-hmm. there, there was one i'd almost forgotten about this and i can't quite believe i managed to there was one arcade cabinet that we played over the weekend. I think it was a Monster Hunter tie-in. I think it was the little cat oh. characters from Monster Hunter. Uh, it's a racing game, and you race by bouncing the pig up and down <laughs> and, like, moving the pig left and right oh to steer. Oh, my God. It was fucking bonkers. And it's all in Japanese, so I hadn't got a clue what was going on. <laughs> I came second both times we played. Um, I, but, yeah, I mean, you bounce the pig and you go a bit faster. And there's like items, and I don't know how I used them, but they 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 were happening. Um, <laughs> I I definitely agree. I think there is um, an atmosphere factor. I also think as part of that, like brand tie-ins, so yeah. like that Luigi's Mansion Arcade, like that's to promote the fact that they've got a new console and a new game coming onto it. Um, Mario Kart GP, like yeah, it's an arcade game, but it's also like promoting Mario Kart, it's- and it's these recognizable brands and characters and things where it's like you've also got another thing that you can go and jump into it's also a much worse version of mario kart <laughs> like, honestly, uh, so i've heard i played yeah. it at that arcade it was fun but you're like yikes man mario kart's way better than this <laughs> the interesting one for me was theatrhythm so there's a theatrhythm arcade game oh. i think it actually started as an arcade thing before it got the port to handhelds hmm. i think i might be wrong hmm. um but it's interesting that it's like a two-handed control it's a slightly different setup and I suppose this, this is the last big sort of 21st century arcade distinction different thing for me. Um, and it's one that seems to be unique to, to sort of the, the, the eastern portion of the market. Um, quite a few of the machines that our arcades have from over there have these um, card readers. And you have like an account that stores your progress every time you come back. Oh, nice. Which is interesting. Ooh, Very different. Nice. We do that so, here too with some of them, I think. It, it, it cuts both ways, right? Because on the one hand, ah, oh, cool. Like, I'm not starting from scratch every time. On the other hand, it's another way for them to pull you back so that wallet's within reach again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is true. I, so. Well, you remind me of something like very fun that this is not actually like an arcade, an arcade game that has been released because, well, my university is full of nerds, so they <laughs> went and used Mugen, that is a, mm-hmm. um, a game engine like for fighting games, and made oh, yeah. their own fighting game for an event called U Fighter. Nice. And they just went and put like a lot of characters because this game is like 
I mean, the, the engine is open source and a lot of creators share their characters that they make so you can incorporate them like in your own game. And they even put like the, the mascot from our university on it because why the fuck not? And there was like this event where um, you had to use your, uh, um, we call it Dewey, that is uh, a card that we use for university, our access card. And we use that on the game and we get a random character. And then we get to to play the game and try to score the highs or whatnot, or do the most damage. The score was pretty much like, hey, who can do the most damage or like the, the biggest combo or like score more points doing a combo on a run. And the, you, it was programmed in such a way that your, your username was tied to your ID, your, un, your university ID, and then you would like remember what was like your last highest score. And it is not. It was pretty fun, actually. <laughs> Even though it was like totally like a totally homebrew arcade experience mm. that they program and put into an arcade cabinet. It was still a lot of fun. Nice. I mean, a lot of the arcade is that enjoyment of going with others and getting to play games, right? Like, I mean, that's such yeah. a big... And, like, the high score thing is fun, too, right? Like, the compete against each other. I mean, Rick, you and I were having a semi-arcade experience with Neon White, right? Like, it's just, like, mm. that's, that's speed running, but that's essentially the same idea with, like, smacking those high scores. Um, something that I yeah. think... So, this is just, like, pie in the sky. Like, it will never happen because there's too many, like, difficulties with this. But, so, like, in a lot of arcades that I go to, there's also laser tag, right? Which is absolutely a blast. Um, which like have either you played laser tag? In, in your, how big is this? I actually played laser tag. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, I love it. I do want to. Yeah. Might be more of a North American thing, I think, as well, because we have just a lot more space. Um, <laughs> like, I know in the UK, you guys are a little more packed in, but there's just big. Oh, areas. you you actually have it in UK because I went to a laser tag thing in UK. Oh, really? There you go. There are a few of them bouncing around for sure. Yeah, but see, what I want, my real dream is make a padded room, right? Like it's, it's nice and padded. And then you put in like padded obstacles and shit. So it's all padded. So you can't really hurt yourself. And then everybody in VR headsets and just create worlds or locations that are mapped to the room and just let people fucking like do, you know, four on four death match or some shit in a big fucking room. And like, you just move around, no controller. You just like whatever, like the fucking weapon you have is. That's my fucking dream. Cause imagine you can create crazy. Yeah, that will never happen. Um, exactly it'll never because there's too many the reason i think actually the main reason not even because people would hurt themselves because they would bust the vr headsets (laughs) that's the real the real reason versus a laser tag laser tags 80 percent of the way there right yeah well partially yeah um the problem is that it's always in that low light looking thing and then also what happens is you just kind of go like oh i guess i'm dead (laughs) then you leave it's a little (laughs) bit like airsoft really airsoft's the closest just without getting really hurt this fucking shit airsoft hurts. <laughs> that stuff, man, you get a hit. Ugh. Or paintball, I guess. Paintball is very fun. Basically, I just want VR paintball, but in a location. <laughs> and make it, like, really intensely atmospheric and terrifying, and I'm in. <laughs> but that's what I think. I actually do think, though, like, upgrading towards more of that multiplayer aspect with VR might be a next step for some of these arcades. Because I think uh, as it's getting more and more and more... Um, like they've got all this wireless options now too, right? And like as 
um, VR is getting easier to access in the home, I think that we'll probably see more novelty experiences within arcades if they're trying to adapt to that. And then just thinking yeah. about things that they can do that, you know, uniquely we can't do already at home. Um, but yeah, I don't know. No. It's just, yeah. Oh, I was thinking like there are already like those VR experiences like on arcades, like mm -hmm. with a group and you see each other like with like the game, the yeah. whatever year you're programmed to have like in-game. Yeah. Um, but they're like mostly like, I guess, a stand or like stay in this square and there's usually stuff coming towards you rather than you exploring the place. And see, that's where I want to see the next jumping, right? Like my, for me, the next big move is like environments that you can move around in in VR. Um, and then you don't get motion sickness at that point because you're actually moving in the space. You know what I mean? Because this is the thing that I'm always curious about with VR arcades is that I actually had to train my ability to use VR without getting a little sick. And even now, I still sometimes get a little woozy, depending on the game. And so I've always thought VR arcades, I'm like, it's sort of, it's an interesting idea, but I'm also like, a lot of people, maybe they put it on for a minute or a few minutes, and they're like, all right, I'm done, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, let's give them something to minimize that. But anyway, pie in the sky dreams. Uh, maybe one day you'll see me in the future opening up a crazy VR account. <laughs> when VR is so cheap. Yeah. Oh, I was just saying, well, that's the thing. I, I totally concur that it's going to be more novelty-based in the future. I think the reason I suspect that's going to be the case is just because the finances aren't there mm -hmm. um, to justify, like, pushing the graphics in the way that they could yeah. in that first arcade cycle. Uh, yeah. The money, the big bucks for that is mobile and home console because that's where you can reach the most people. Um, the content's packed to people's homes now. The arcade is a different experience for a different demographic and for a different purpose yeah. than it than it ever had been previously. Um, and it's mostly parties, yeah. right? Like when I think about yeah. arcade places, a lot of them, but in Canada, at least, I don't know about in other places, like Cineplex here um, has like opened up these like rec rooms. Um, so they're like basically these arcade because they're trying to sell the idea of go to the arcade, then watch a movie, um, which I think they're mm. doing, they're doing okay with it. I don't know how amazing it's doing but it they they're still all open so tends to make me think that it's doing all right enough <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah or like here we have uh, a bar called insert coin where you can like go just go with your balls uh drink something eat something and then you have a blast playing something else, barcades like, for are half an hour. huge here now too yeah it's interesting because I think it hits a market that I don't think was something even really being considered when our kids first started, right? Because they were so heavily marketed at kids, um, I feel like. And now they're just like, no, adults are the ones who actually have money and want to play these. Yeah, um, they also they can use like the games like as a means to give you like half an hour more and like, oh, maybe I can just order something else. Yeah, maybe I'll get drunk more. You know, like the arcade that yeah, um, my fiance I went to was a bar one. Yeah. Even though I don't yeah, drink. Do they have like <laughs> uh, theme drinks? Like. Yeah, that this one was kind of like, it was like a gaming bar kind of thing, you know? Like they were like, mm -hmm. they were, it was, it was gaming everything in that place. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> it was quite nice. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, that's arcades. Um, it's never been an easier time to play arcade games. 
like I said, you could just download yourself a MAME set and go to town. It's just, and even now, they still update those, like, all the time. Like, they're constantly adding stuff to them and that, um, improving shit. So, there you go. I'd, I'd argue it's a, it's a better time now for arcade gaming, though. I guess, like you said, Rick, the, uh, the innovations in gaming have moved from the arcades to the home. <laughs> yes, basically, yeah. Yeah, and even the arcades now are... I want to say less predatory than before. Uh, I want to say that, but I'm not sure, well, though. I think they're fair, honestly. Like, I do think... Like, I, the, the, the amount that the arcades around us charge for you to come in and play, I think is fair. Like, for the amount they have to... And the fact that, like, when I go in, their machines are well-maintained, because I know it's can cost a pretty penny to have those fuckers fixed so i'm like you know yep. overall like as i go through i don't feel like i'm being cheated like i do think the reality is that if you want to go play a bunch of these fucking machines like you know just it costs money <laughs> um some are worse than others but most of the ones i've seen is like what rick has mentioned they'll give you like a flat fee to come in and play for a certain amount of time or some of them will make it like hey, here's tokens to kind of do like basically unlimited play on this machine for a while and then they can go around. But anyway. Let's move on to... <laughs> How long can beat the game? Uh, there was a moment there where you were like, are we, are we saying anything more on that bit? Are we good? Are we yeah, <laughs> I was just waiting. I was like, anything else? Anything else? No, we're good. All right, Rick, tell us. What are we playing? So right now the standings are Rick had a clean sweep last week. You have five points. I haven't played yet, so I was my round man. Mm. It's early days. This this game could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been sleeping. I've already got a game queued up. That game is Heroes of Ruin for the 3DS. Heroes of Ruin. Why have I heard that name before? Uh, it was an early game. It's a Diablo-like by Squeenix for the 3DS. It might even have been a launch title. Yeah, it's released on June twenty. Really more likely it was like the few the first yeah, a few months after launch. Yeah. Is it any so friend <laughs> I, I don't know. I have a copy on my shelf. I haven't got around to playing it yet. Oh you actually have um, of course you do. Of course so, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition. Nope. In, in, Go in, ahead, I was have a task. <laughs> in addition to the, the main story main plus and completionist times each worth one point um the two point bonus question on this game is uh how many people do we think have this game in their backlog Ugh. okay What's an in app? fact no, no 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 i'm gonna be i'm gonna be more interesting um what do we think the fastest completion time for this game is oh that's interesting uh, yeah. fastest completion time uh, for some That's reason, I think it's going to be something stupid. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? That's, that's, that's how long to beat the game. <laughs> oh, Lord Almighty. That's not yes, how just surprising about backlogs to this one. I feel like it would have been more forgotten, but quite a few people. It seems like it was to come back to it. only seen as like kind of an average game. It was seen as solid, if uninspiring, if I remember launch coverage correctly. Yeah. People were like, it, you know, it's okay. But, like, other than being on the 3DS, there's nothing special about it. Okay. 
Uh, okay, I'm gonna just put something stupid for the fastest run. I sent it to Rick, right? Yeah. You certainly did, yeah. Send it to me! <laughs> like, no, Palo, you're supposed to send it my way. <laughs> I think we'd have to pick a new game if that happened. Yes, we would have to pick a new game. Um, let's see here. Uh, almost there. I'm just giving Rick uh, times that he'll love. Uh oh. If it's half hours, I'm disqualifying. <laughs> only three of them have that. It is 15 minutes. Only, only almost all of the times have half hours. Yeah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> you can put like a quarter hour just. I sh well, there's, we don't have quarter honest. hours on how long to be, I don't think, so. Okay. <laughs> so, main story. Uh, Paula has put 10 hours. Okay. Alex has put nine and a half hours. Uh, the time, oh, I hate this, exactly nine and a half hours. So ah! that's close but no! <laughs> um, So. Close but no cigar, Paola. Main plus. Paula has put 12 hours. Alex has put 11 and a half hours. Going with those halves. Uh, time is 11 hours. So that's point number two for Alex. That's um, 100%. Alex has put 14 and a half hours. Paula has put 15 hours. The time is 15 hours. You so failed that's a point me, halves. <laughs> yeah. And now to the fastest completion time. Uh, Paula has put a three hour completion time for the fastest mm. run. Alex has put a five-hour completion time for the fastest run. Um, the fastest completion time is... Hang on, I'm looking... Wait a second. <laughs> I swear that number's different from... Oh, no. Oh! Is the speedrun category or like... There is a speedrun category. That's new. So why is that time not shown with all the normal ones? I don't know. I thought it was yeah, I mean, so, so, the, the, so the speed run time hmm. is 42 minutes and four hours long. So oh, that is God damn, two points. Kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going it's for worth, there a second there. <laughs> it's worth saying that the, the non-speed run time fastest is six hours, 29. Oh, so okay. either way, Alex gets the point. You, uh, you 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 had me for a second. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was so, also like, forty-two minutes. How the hell did someone? <laughs> <laughs> no, I shouldn't be surprised. Speedrunners uh, are crazy. <laughs> they certainly are. He, uh, we count ourselves among that now, right? So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, now it's five four one, which I don't feel that bad. Paula, you won the last round, so. <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, to be fair, I think there's. There's a, a round to play with um, yeah, yourself with... and Alex before yeah. the game week's over, in essence. Yes. So I, this could go disgustingly beyond Paola's reach very, very quickly. That's true, actually, yeah. Try me. <laughs> I was like, no. Hey, or, it's or we fine. could help each other back. We'll see. You just, you just won. You're, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sick. Well, that's another week of uh, how long to be. Thank you for tuning in, folks. We'll see you again next Ooh. week, which I think, because I think we're all going on like a little vacation-y, which isn't actually going to interrupt any of you lovely listeners 
listening because we're ahead an episode, but we're going to be back to like a normal scheduled release after this episode. <laughs> so basically, like essentially, Abitage, if you're listening, will realize that this is coming out weeks after we played Escape Academy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the magic of podcasting, you know? It's special. It was, and then you told them what we're doing. Oh my oh, God. I like the behind the scenes. You revealed the trick. <laughs> well, it's up to you. This is your edit. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that is all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> Toodaloo, folks. <laughs> Bye.